uh, today. So uh, let's get right to it. I, I don't want to belabor the time. So we're going to go to Numbers chapter 14. Okay, we're going to go to Numbers chapter 14, and I'm going to pray. And these are the three things I'll be praying about, and these are the three things that I'm uh, uh, that I that I hope that you guys will pray about as well. Okay. Um, and it's this, it's, it's what is God revealing concerning himself? So when you're praying, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? When you pray, um, as you're reading as God, what, what are you revealing concerning people concerning us? And then, uh, God, what are you revealing? Third question, God, what are you revealing concerning me? These are the three questions that I want you to ask. I want you to commit to as we spend time in the reading of the scripture today. And so that's our commitment. Um, and, and so let's get to it. Numbers chapter 14. Father, I ask today, Lord, that you would speak to us in this time, Lord, as we engage with your word. Bless us, Father. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us revelation, give us clarity, give us insight, Lord God, into the person of who you are. Lord, allow us to know you. Lord, we don't want to just be informed by what this word says, but rather, Lord, to be drawn closer uh, to you today. And so, Lord, just be with us, Lord, as we engage in this word. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen. All right, family, let's get right to it. Numbers chapter 14. And I will begin with the first verse. It says this. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. <laughs> Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation, the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, that he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the children said to the stone, uh, all children said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Hmm. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit, disinherit them. And I will make you a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might, you brought these people up from among them and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face and your cloud stands above them and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land, 
which he swore to give them. Therefore, he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray. Let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying the Lord is long suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to test now these 10 times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out to the wilderness by the way of move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I've heard the complaints with the children of it, which the children of Israel make against me say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing. So I will do to you the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years. And bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days for each day, you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed and there they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing bad report of the land, these very men who were who brought evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain saying, here we are and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised for we have sinned. And Moses said, now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies. For the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord. 
the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain, in that mountain, came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. Hmm. Numbers 15. As the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have come into the land, you are to inhabit, which I am giving you. And you make an offering by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow, or as a freewill offering in your appointed feast to make a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd of the flock, from the herd or the flock. Then he who presents his offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering of one tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one fourth of a hen of oil and one fourth of a hen of wine. As a drink offering, you shall prepare with the burnt offering or sacrifice for each lamb or for a ram. You shall prepare a grain offering, two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one third of a hen of oil. And as a drink offering, you shall offer one third of a hen of fine wine as a sweet aroma to the Lord. And when you prepare a young bull as a burnt offering or as a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a peace offering to the Lord, then shall be offered with a young bull, a grain offering of three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with half a hen of oil. And you shall bring it as a drink offering, half a hen of wine as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thus it shall be done for each young bull, each ram, and for each lamb or young goat, according to the number that you repair, so you shall do with everyone according to their number. All who are native born shall do these things in this manner, in presenting an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And if a stranger dwells with you, or whoever is among you throughout your generations and would present an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord, just as you do, so shall he do. Mm. One ordinance shall be for you of the assembly and for the stranger who dwells with you, an ordinance forever throughout your generations as you are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells with you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, hold on a second, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I bring you, then it will be when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord. You shall offer up a cake of the first of your ground meal as a heave offering, as a heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall you offer it up. Of the first of your ground meal, you shall give to the Lord a heave offering throughout your generations. If you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses, from the day the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then it will be, if it is unintentionally committed without the knowledge of the congregation, that the whole congregation shall offer one bull as a burnt offering, as a sweet aroma to the Lord, with its grain offering and its drink offering according to the ordinance 
and one kid of goats as a sin offering. Hmm. So the priest shall make atonement for the whole congregation of Israel and it shall be forgiven them for it was unintentional. They shall bring the offering, an offering made by fire to the Lord and their sin offering before the Lord for their unintended sin. It shall be forgiven the whole congregation of the children of Israel and the stranger who dwells among them because all the people did it unintentionally. And if a person sins unintentionally, then he brings a female goat in its first year as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for that person who sins unintentionally when he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make, excuse me, atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. You shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally, for him who is native born among the children and for the stranger who dwells among them. But the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he's native born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord and he shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person should be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. There's a lot there. Now, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all their congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man surely, the man must surely be put to death. All the children shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So the Lord, so as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones and he died. Goodness gracious. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels in the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. You shall have a tassel. You shall have the tassel that may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. For I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. <laughs> Verse uh, chapter 16. Now Korah, the son of Itzar, the son of Koath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the son of Eliab and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face 
And he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show you who he is and who is holy and will cause him to come near him. That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Do this. Take censers, Korah and all your company. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the holy one. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the God, from the congregation of Israel? To bring you near to himself? To do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them? <laughs> and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all the children, and, sorry, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, we will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. When you put out the eyes of these men, we will not come up. Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they, as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer and put incense in it, and each of you bring his censer before the Lord. 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered together all their congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among the congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and you be angry with all the congregation? So the, so the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathem and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. Then he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away around the tents of Korah and Dathan and, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for you have not done them, for I have not done them by, of my own will. These men die naturally, like all men, or if they, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. Savage. 
But the Lord creates a new thing and the Lord opens his mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs on them then and they go down alive into the pit. Then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them. They perished from among the assembly. Then the children and all Israel, sorry, who were around them fled at their cry. For they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. The fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Then <laughs> the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Tell Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy, and scatter the fire some distance away. Goodness gracious, there's so much here. The censers of these men who sinned against their own souls let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar because they represented them before the Lord. Therefore, they are holy and they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. So Eliezer, the priest, took the bronze censers, which those who were burned up had, rep- had presented and they were hammered out as a covering on the altar to be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord that he might not become like Korah and his companions just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. On the next day, all the congregation of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron saying you have killed. Sorry. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in the mo- in, in a moment. And they fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran in the midst of assembly And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put the incense and made atonement for the people. And he, and he, sorry, he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague had stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the core incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting for the plague had stopped good morning Izzy good morning Ellison (laughs) 
<sighs> Good morning, family. Good morning, everybody. Oh, man. This, this, this is an awkward day to read this particular portion of text because I feel like I could spend just hours sitting on this text. I feel like I spend hours just sitting through this, this particular portion of scripture because there is so much in this passage. And unfortunately, today, because I have a conference uh, to go to, I only have um, I only have a few minutes. Uh, I have about maybe 20 minutes. So I, I, I'm going to share a general thought with you because I don't have all the time to break it down. And if anything, you, we can come back to this uh, tomorrow um, while we continue on our reading of the scripture. Um, the book of Numbers is really a book about what it looks like to progress forward. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Remember that for a little over a year, the children of Israel were at Mount Sinai. They spent a year and a little over a month, as we had read yesterday, at Mount Sinai. And that was what the book of Leviticus was all about. And and now they're getting ready to to leave. And in Numbers, we see them finally depart because the book of Leviticus was all about how God would uh, provide a system in which these people who continually sin against him to, to be present among a people that were continual and perpetual sinners. It's really what Leviticus is all about. And we get into the book of Numbers now. In the book of Numbers, we see that the children of Israel are getting ready now to leave Mount Sinai and to enter into, uh, to, to traverse through the wilderness to go to the promised land. Um, it's interesting to me because I know you guys know the story all this time that the children of Israel spent in the wilderness all this time you know, that they spent this journey, this long... If, if you've ever seen a movie about uh, the children of Israel going through the wilderness, going through the, the wilderness to, to get to the promised land, it's, oh, it always looks like this really long journey that would take years and years and years for them to get there. But the Bible tells us otherwise. And all you need to do is know a little bit of geography to know that the distance between Egypt and the land that is promised to them is, I'm from South Florida, so um, it's the distance between Miami and Orlando. If you really want to stretch it to get all the way into the promised land, the distance between Miami and Gainesville. <laughs> um, the distance between New York and Baltimore. The distance between Chicago and Detroit. 
<laughs> um, uh, the distance between San Diego, you know, and um, Los Angeles, the distance between LA and Las Vegas. I know I'm giving, you know, uh, US references to this. And again, they're not all exactly right, but I want to give you context that the promised land, the land that was promised to them was not that far from their place of bondage. It wasn't that far. How do we know this? We know this because they're at Mount Sinai and they're getting ready now to go to, to, um, to Canaan. But before they go to Canaan, the scriptures tell us that they send out 12 spies. 12 spies who go and scope the land and they spend 40 days there and they came back. So it wasn't that far. It wasn't that far. It was close enough that a group of guys can just stroll on over after maybe a few days journey go and check it out scope it for a few more days and then return to tell people exactly what this land is like there was one point from yesterday and i want to bring it into context today because when we opened up our reading we opened up with verse 1 in chapter 14 when it says all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. They were weeping. They were weeping. Why were they weeping? They were weeping because in the chapter before, right at the end of the chapter, the men, it says in verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies in a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it were all great men of stature. We, we, there, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in, and so we were in their sight. I find that particular portion of scripture interesting because these guys, they go in, they scope the land, they get the fruit of the land, they show the blessing that the land has, they show all the things that the land has in store for them. They come back and they talk about the blessings of the land, but then they tell the people that there's no way that they can acquire these blessings because the enemy that's in the land is far greater than they are. And the interesting thing about that is, is that the way they describe them is to say that these guys were giants. It's one thing to know what they are. It's another thing to know who you are relative to what they are and who they were relative to what they were. They said that when they, when they began to compare their stature to the stature of the men that they saw there, they said that we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. And it's interesting to me because as I'm reading the scripture, as I'm reading the text, it's not to say that these men were larger, but it speaks into where their heart was. It speaks into the posture of their heart that when they saw the enemy, they, they didn't simply see the greatness of the enemy. 
but they saw the smallness in themselves. They saw how difficult the challenge was going to be, but they also began to add on to it the smallness of who they were. Notice that they were like grasshoppers in whose sight? In their own sight. I think sometimes when we confront the enemy and sometimes when we confront opposition, we spend more time evaluating our own shortcomings and misgivings more than to evaluate the shortcomings and the weaknesses of the enemy. We spend more time speaking about what we do not have and what we cannot accomplish, not realizing that it's God that's sending us in to acquire what he's calling us to do. The children of Israel who come before him and these spies who look and they see the greatness of the enemy, they didn't just see the greatness of the enemy, they saw the smallness of themselves. And there are a lot of people even today that are reading this and you may be going through a situation right now, but rather than seeing the greatness of your God, you're seeing the smallness of yourself. Because you see, if you'd seen the greatness of your God, you would know that your God is greater than any enemy, especially if it is what God has promised to us. He says, they say here to everybody else that we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. So I have to ask you a question, family. How do you see yourself? How do you perceive yourself? I'm reading this and I'm asking, what do I look like to myself? Not, for, for, not, not what do I look like to the enemy? I have to first start off by evaluating what I look like to myself. Because if I go around the world, navigating through the world, perceiving myself as a grasshopper, I prohibit myself from acting in faith to move into the arenas and into the dimensions that God is calling me to go. There are too many of us who are looking at what we cannot do and what we do not have. We're, we're, we're not even looking at how difficult the challenge is. We're just looking at what we do not have and what we cannot do. We look at our smallness and we evaluate our smallness. We're, we're small before this very thing. We're small before this vision. We're small before this challenge. And yet we do not realize that the more we spend looking at the smallness of who we are, the less we spend in looking at the greatness of our God. They say that we are like grasshoppers before these men. And notice what he says. He says, we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. I love the diction of this verse. Because the moment they say that we are like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we are in their sight. Meaning, what they have perceived of themselves is what they believe the enemy has perceived of them. Stay with me, family. I don't have a lot of time. I'm not going to get through all the reading. I just want to leave you with a word of encouragement and a word of exhortation. When you perceive yourself to be small, then you will believe that the enemy perceives you in the same way. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. When you perceive yourself to be small, then you will believe that the enemy will perceive you in that way. When you perceive yourself as a person who cannot, you look at the world through the lens of which you perceive yourself. 
So if you tell yourself that you're ugly, I'm using an example here. If you tell yourself that you're ugly and that there's nothing beautiful in you, then when people look at you, you will, you will believe that they're looking at you through the lens that you look at yourself. So now if someone comes to you and approaches you a certain way, you're going to say they must be looking for something else because this is how I perceive myself. Are you with me, family? When you perceive yourself as weak, then you will believe that the enemy perceives you as weak. He says we are grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So it's not that they didn't, they didn't inquire to the enemy. They didn't inquire to the giant. They didn't ask the giant, um, are we like grasshoppers to you guys? They didn't go to the giants and the men who were there and go, so do we look small to you? No, 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 no. They saw it in themselves. And because they saw their own smallness, they believed that the enemy saw them as small as well. Are y'all catching with me? Are y'all catching me here? So if you perceive yourself as incapable, guess what? You'll believe that everybody else perceives you that way. When you perceive yourself as a person who can't, you'll believe that everybody else will perceive you as a person who can't. When you believe yourself as a person who is incapable, then you'll believe that everybody else perceives you as a person who is incapable. When you perceive yourself as a person who is undesirable, you'll believe that everybody else perceives you as a person who is undesirable. Because what you're doing is, is you're superimposing your own perception of yourself on everybody else. There are many of us today that have a jaded perspective of people around us because we have a jaded perspective of ourselves. So in order to overcome that, you have to first delete what you see in yourself. You've got to delete whatever someone has said about you that now you believe about yourself because a lot of things that we believe about ourselves have been built up and developed over time by people who met somebody in our lives who had said something about us or somebody in, in, you know, somebody in your life might've said that you were ugly or somebody in your life might've said that you were fat or somebody in your life might've said that you, um, you, you there's a learning impediment or somebody else might've said that you, you know, they'll point out to all the things that, you know, they'll point out to maybe some shortcoming and you took that word. And you took what they said and you made it reality in your life. And the moment you made that reality in your life, now you begin to see the world through the lens of what somebody had said to you. You begin to see the world through the lens of somebody who hurt you or someone who had offended you or someone who spoke a lie over your life. You know, it's funny how Beautiful people can never see the beauty in themselves when they have not yet seen it in themselves. Often beautiful people, sorry, often beautiful people who don't see the beauty in themselves, when somebody else tells them that they're beautiful, they don't believe that person because they believe that person sees them the way they see themselves. Are you with me, family? And yet notice what imprisons them because they are not seeing themselves through the lens that God sees them they stay in their place of bondage and brokenness and never step into the promise of God. We're going to see this later in the story of when the spies go into the land again, that there was fear all throughout the land 
of the children of Israel who were to come into that land. Meaning, they were afraid of the power that they had because the children of because the, the, the Canaanites did not see their size. The Canaanites heard their story. I'm just going to rant today. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. The Canaanites did not see their size, but the Canaanites heard their story. The Canaanites saw what they overcame. The Canaanites heard of, 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 of the exploits of them leaving Egypt. The Canaanites heard of what they did to leave the greatest empire um, that existed in that time. The Canaanites knew something was with them, that they had a power that was much bigger than their size, much bigger than their education, much bigger than their stature, much bigger than their capacity, much bigger than their ability. And so they were afraid not because of how big they were. They were afraid because of how big the power was that was with them. And yet they get near and begin to, um, they're about to leave, uh, I believe it's the wilderness of Paran. And they're about to enter now into the promised land. But before they enter the promised land, they sent the spies. And when they sent the spies, the spies came back. And instead of the spies speaking the truth, of what the enemy sees of them, they spoke the lie of how they perceived themselves. And because they perceived themselves as grasshoppers, they believed the enemy saw them as grasshoppers. What if I told you today that there's some things in your life that you're seeing through the lens of your insecurity. There are things in your life that you're seeing through the lens of something hurtful that someone had said to you in your formative years. You're seeing yourself through the lens of your pain. And because you're seeing yourself through that lens, you feel small. You feel small. So even when you walk into a room and people see the bigness of who you are, you don't see the bigness in yourself. You just see a small person. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because they saw themselves as small. They came back and they made the rest of the community believe their smallness. Can I tell you right now that insecurity this is another um, revelation that as I'm reading this insecurity insecurity is contagious. Insecurity is contagious. These people just spent a year getting ready to go into the promised land with confidence. And all it took was for 10 guys to come back and say, we are like grasshoppers. 
All it took was for 10 guys in a nation of hundreds of thousands cowered in fear and said, let's go back to Egypt in our place of bondage. Insecurity is contagious. And it's the minority who saw it. Caleb and Joshua. The, so among the, the 12 spies were two. One's name was Caleb and the other was Joshua. And Caleb and Joshua weren't concerned with how big the challenge was. Because they knew how big their God is. And they knew God's promise over their life and God's promise over these people. And what they were saying is, is we're not sitting here in this wilderness. We're going to go to where God has called us. We didn't get here. We didn't leave Egypt to stay here. We left Egypt to go to the land that was promised to us. If God promised us the land, let's walk into the promises of God. But these people now cowered from the promise of God. Because 10 men could not see the bigness of God. All they saw was their own smallness. Family, if you feel small, this is just a word of encouragement today. If you feel small, I want you to know this verse that we we just heard it in the song that we started at the beginning. And the scripture says, and now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask for or think according to the power that worketh in you. The scriptures say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You will not do it by your might. You will not overcome by your power. You're not going to make it by your ability or by your resources or by your finances. You don't have it, but the God who's with you is bigger than anything that you're confronting. So stop looking at your smallness. Stop coming before your enemy with the perception that you are a grasshopper. You are not a grasshopper. Christ is in you. This big God is in you. The hope of glory. You're not small when Christ is in you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And for many of you here, what you need to be released from is the thing that is still telling you that you are small. I pray today that you would be released from that spirit, the grasshopper mentality, the grasshopper way of thinking, the grasshopper, the, the grasshopper lens that you have in your life, 
the grasshopper lens that you're putting on your marriage, the grasshopper lens that you're putting um, on your children, the grasshopper lens that you're putting on your finances, the grasshopper lens that you're putting on your ministry, the grasshopper lens that you're putting on yourself. You are not a grasshopper. No, you are not. You are a child of God. Last statement. The enemy is terrified of you. (laughs) The enemy is terrified of you. Actually, what the enemy is hoping is that you do not see the capacity that you have. That's what the enemy is hoping. The enemy is hoping that you cannot see your capacity. Because if you don't see your capacity, you'll never step into the promised land. You will continue to hide in the wilderness. But I came to declare today that God is calling you out of the wilderness. He's calling you to step into his promises. His promises will have challenges. His promises will have difficulties. Whatever it is that you're coming before, God's promises are yes and amen. And we're believing that for you. Father, I ask today. Oh, that you would be with each and every person who's hearing this today. Father, I pray that you would encourage them, Lord, and this word of exhortation and encouragement, Father, that you would allow them, Lord, to see, Lord, that you have a plan for them. That a lot of the unrest that's going on in their heart and in their mind is being rooted in the reality that they're just perceiving themselves as small. I see all this tension in the scripture, Father, and I'm beginning to realize that all of this would have been handled if they just didn't see themselves as grasshoppers. We wouldn't see the discord with the Levites and Aaron and Moses. We wouldn't see all this other discontent that, we, that we're that reading in the scripture. We see all of this only because it started off with them seeing themselves as grasshoppers. So Father, release us. Release us from small thinking. Release us from small mentality, Lord, that we may step into the promises, knowing, Lord, that we can do all things through you who gives us strength. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.